Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Today, it's our absolute honor and pleasure to be joined by the wonderful, the extraordinary Jeff Loveness. Jeff, welcome to Friends from Work, and how are you? Hey, fellas, good to see you. Uh, I'm doing all right. I, I currently, uh, very little sleep, kind of insanity, trying to get Avengers done, uh, but uh, doing all right. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no big deal. How many are there again? Yeah, How many exactly. characters? <laughs> oh, Iron Man's dead. Oh, oh. oh okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's just, that makes it easier. Just one less thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, It's That's what today was going to be about. One. Today was just going to be about us telling you which characters are alive and dead, just so you know. Right. Yeah. That's actually that's actually a perfect segue into the the first question I had for you here. Uh, you're you're somewhat unique among Marvel screenwriters, not not wholly unique, but somewhat unique in that you do have a background writing Marvel comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious when when you are tasked with writing a screenplay like Quantumania or King Dynasty. What does that process look like in terms of of comics homework? Like, does the studio give you a, a certain a, a certain run or arc or series to read? Do they say generally familiarize yourself with all of the major character or major arcs where these characters play a significant role, or is it just kind of you come to them with your own ideas and and they let you? run wild a little bit of both but they certainly like they'll send you you know as much research as you want or they'll, they'll certainly have their like character dossiers or something which is kind of funny right. it feels like you're reading intelligence like you're reading the computer. <laughs> like, like am i gonna go kill osama bin laden somewhere <laughs> i think they're giving you a big, a big like briefing on modok or something but i think yeah just because i i had grown up with the comics and i had written a fair amount of comics for like Marvel and DC and indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, you know, I, when I hear the name Modoc, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> it, sure, it, right. hel- it helps to have a little bit of a shorthand, but you also need to, I, I guess, yeah, you got to almost like separate that and be a screenwriter as well. So you're like, okay, like how do I build Kane from the ground up? Cause obviously the comic character is great, but he is also a little, he can be one note sometimes. <laughs> he right, loves, he right. loves to conquer and he loves his little beanbag chairs that he lounges in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so like when you get an actor like Jonathan Majors, you, yeah, <laughs> oh, man. I, I, that is my favorite thing about Kane. He's always just like comfort is his yeah. objective. He's always like in such a comfortable <laughs> position spreading on a subway or something. Uh, <laughs> no, but like then, then you do have to kind of at the same time realize like, oh, it's not a comic book. And like you have to kind of make this character – brand new for someone who's just watching it. Sure. Right. Making a blockbuster film like this is obviously a massive undertaking, but you've probably been sitting with these characters for a long time before you pass them off to VFX artists or actors or whatever. And so when you were actually watching the final product, was there one scene shot sequence, uh, something that was just very different than you thought in your head that entire time? 
Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's anything you make. It is wild. Even I started, I started making like YouTube videos with my friends and stuff. Like even that is like, oh man, I don't remember that part. Or like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> right. does my voice sound like that? Like, I, uh, oh, I mean like everything, but that's almost the joy of it. Cause like for every moment when you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. There's a, there's the flip side of that moment to where like, again, I'll just use Jonathan Majors. It's like, Mm-hmm. Wow, he made that line so much better. I I I think there's like um, hmm. there's a moment in the movie where he's talking to Janet, and it's like before he's a villain, before all that stuff. It's that last kind of moment where he's where she doesn't know who he is, and he's talking. And I think the line I had in the script was like, "Time is it what you think? It's a K." Mm-hmm. And, and but Jonathan, as the great actor that he is, he made one small change. He's like, you know what? It's like. Maybe I'll just slow that down a little bit. And he and so he said, time, period. He holds, like, it isn't what you think. And, like, yeah. as he added that little pause, it made that line, like, that's my favorite, like, scene in the movie with him. And, like, hmm. because he added that little pause, you can see that extra. It's like Kang is deciding how much to tell her. And then he takes the risk and he tells her. Like, Ooh. that stuff to me is, mm-hmm. like, that's when it – it's the it's like you, the actor takes over and it's a bit of like a symbiosis. It's kind of cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's and it's so true because it, it starts to give you this sense that he really is. Whether again, whether this is manipulation or honesty, opening up to Janet and sort of yeah. creating a real relationship mm. there. To me, I mean, at least from my perspective, it's it actually is like honesty. Like to me, mm. I thought it would be really cool if like I used like examples of like. Napoleon or um, Vladimir Lenin got sent off to like Switzerland before World War One and stuff. Like mm-hmm. these sort of like great men of history or these important men, there is usually a moment in their life where they've lost really bad or they're in exile or like their story could be over. And there's usually someone they meet or something that happens that kind of pulls them back in. But they still have this like reprieve. Mm. Like Napoleon is on that island as an exile, his career's over, you know, or again, Lenin is off in Switzerland, pretty far away from like the, the Soviet revolt, you know? And right. I wanted to give Kane that moment of like, oh, clearly he just lost his empire. He's crashing down here. And for the first time in who knows how many hundreds of years, thousands, someone doesn't know who he is. Like there's this mm. like, that old Frankenstein movie, if you've ever seen that, it's like the blind girl in, mm-hmm. the blind girl in the village who's like kind to him. It was that example. Right. Like, oh, what if someone did offer like water to Cain the Conqueror and like heal his wounds? He would feel almost like guilty too. Or he but he would also he would also see like mercy for the first time in a long time. And when he hears her talking about missing time with her daughter and all, you know, all that. Yeah. It's like suddenly this like time God is reminded how much time really matters to someone. And it's Mm -hmm. like in old Greek mythology, like the gods would dress up, you know, or they would, they would test people. Then they would give you something if you were kind. It's almost like him realizing like, oh, I actually can like easily make this person's life better and I will do that for them. So for me, it's like, I think that makes Cain a cooler character. Mm. If like, he's not lying. He's actually like, no, that's like, I will give that to you. Like I will, I will, it's like a gift. (laughs) This is entirely Hmm. not what I was going to ask, but now I just got to say, I freaking love that you said that. We actually got a chance to talk with friends of yours, uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing two weeks ago. And 
I love that you just basically reiterated something they've been saying. So just a compliment to you. Like, that's one of the coolest parts, I think, about Kang as a character and how he can differ from Thanos in the obvious follow-up of Endgame yeah. here. It's like, he's a human. Yeah. He's a human, and he has those things as a part of him. Like, like he can show mercy. He yeah. is conflicted mm-hmm. about a troubled past or traumatic past. And, like, it's not just the Conqueror version all the time. And I think that's really fun. I think you handled that really well. That uh, That's cool, man. And, oh, man, their comic is great. I, that came out a little, a little, like, after I had written kind of my take on it. But I was, like, I, like you just said, I was kind of thrilled when I read it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this lines up. Like, this is, like, I think we have a similar take on the character. That was a mm-hmm. great. That was a great run that they did. Well, and that, it's funny. That's what they said because of the time as a cage line. Uh, I think that there's a, yeah. a, almost like verbatim <laughs> line in the comic. And they they were saying there was no overlap. No. At all. I thought that was, yeah, I wrote that line like on a train. We had a small break in production. And like, I, yeah, I, I had, Jonathan, again, I, 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 just, I could talk about Jonathan Majors all day. Like, he's sure. such a good collaborative actor and he cares so much in a good way. Like, and mm-hmm. so we went back and forth on that one line of like that little, how much does Kane open up? Like, how much does he say? And what does he think of time? And I was going back and forth and I couldn't quite figure out what the word was. And then cage came up and I'm like, oh, that's it. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a cage. Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. it was kind of wild to see it in their comic too. I think just something's in the water. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's funny talking about, uh, sort of collaborating and, and I guess, you know, the, what's out in the zeitgeist. Uh, one thing that I've, I've been curious about, you know, you and, you and Michael Waldron both kind of coming from right. the Rick and Morty world, um, entering in with, with phase four and phase five, you know, Waldron wound up between Loki and Multiverse of Madness introducing some big elements, uh, of, of Quantumania. Um, you know, sometimes variants of those elements are, or, or, different iterations of them. Um, and then obviously Waldron is set to write Secret Wars and, and you're writing King Dynasty. I, I think that that's such a different approach than what we saw with Infinity War and Endgame, you know, which were written by the same folks, directed by the same folks. Right. And so I've been curious, have you found yourself collaborating a good bit with Michael? Do y'all talk a lot about how this stuff shows up or is it more kind of you... You work on your own things and you bring the finished products together and go from there? Uh, I mean, it's a bit of both. Uh, no, but certainly we've been uh, talking a lot and trying to make it cohesive and all that. And then also giving each other enough space to be like, all right, we got to like, we gotta write like five drafts of this thing before it even makes sense. So like, But he's, right. he's a great writer and he sets like – that guy's got a good fastball. He, he's a great writer and like he makes me a better writer by trying to keep up with him and stuff. Uh mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, we've been collaborating, but then also giving each other enough space to kind of find our own movie in there as well. Um, I think like, obviously it's almost comedic how hard this challenge is. It's like, oh no, you have to follow up uh, Endgame and Infinity War. <laughs> Both right, made about right, $2 right. billion dollars and uh, everyone loves it. So we, <laughs> we, it's been nice to have a buddy that you can kind of joke about that with. It's like, oh yeah, we have to like... <laughs> <laughs> quite literally like on paper, maybe the hardest job in the world yeah, as, far yeah, as, yeah. Go, as far as movies go. But uh, I don't know. It's, I, I'm just trying not to think about it and like write a movie that I would like and, and you know, we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about it by the way. Was, uh, <laughs> was Cassie always going to have her own suit? Ooh, good question. Um, n- ooh, 
I think an earlier version we tried out was not her as a superhero, but then I just kind of felt like, well, ah, she's just going to be the annoying kid in a movie then. Like, she's just going to be like, do you ever see like Jurassic Park 2? <laughs> there's that teenage girl <laughs> yeah. that like does gymnastics and kicks it. And then suddenly there's an opportunity for her to use her gymnastics. And like, she... She like does Full a circle, kick on baby. a raptor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I've had that in my head. I'm like, oh boy, like maybe we should make her a more integral part of the story. Cause if she's not, it's like she's gonna do gymnastics and chain <laughs> 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 into the into the eighteen hundreds or something. <laughs> or into his big, big <laughs> machine. Sure. Um, but yeah, that I mean in the comics she is very much her own hero and she's inspired by her dad and she's kind of going mm-hmm. on that that road. So I think in in one version of the script, there was more of a story with her and Hope, how like Hope isn't her mom, obviously, but kind of they're all together. She's almost like a stepmom. It's that weird thing mm-hmm. with like an adult kid totally. and a new mom or a new, you know, like what, but like right. I, had, I had them have more of a playful, fun mentor relationship. And like that was going to be a source of uh, stress where it's like Hope kind of, you know, Hope kind of helped her make a suit and like, ah, don't tell your dad. You know, like, and it was something that Scott, uh-huh. Scott didn't know about. And and you could mm. see Cassie kind of becoming more like the Pims. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think Interesting. it was pretty early on. We wanted her to have a suit. We wanted her to kind of be on her own journey to kind of fit the character. But, uh, yeah, there was a bad version where she was uh, she was yelling dad even more. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and you – I. You get a little bit of that still, I guess, like with the the dinner table scene and how exactly like Hank and Janet are yeah. sympathetic to her being in jail and whatnot. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. I would have broken out with the ants and all that. And then yeah, like she Hope and Hank are clearly working with her on this, you know, kind of quantum correct. you know, device that they're I mean, they probably did most of the work and just kind of gave Cassie the credit, you know. <laughs> but well, like I'm, that's it's clearly my like, yeah, she's kind of ingratiating herself into that sort of superhero side of life and her dad sees her you know, kind of repeating some of his mistakes. My follow-up to that is something I want to compliment you on again is I felt like something you handled amazingly, amazingly well is making this movie about Ant-Man and the Wasp in that Janet and Hank were the original Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah. And, <laughs> and th- I guess I, I don't want to diss somebody else, but those characters could almost be forgotten in previous iterations. Sure. And I like that you kind of put a central focus on their story as well. And so I guess my question is, was that intentional as well? Or did you kind of stumble into that as you're writing the story? You know, that, especially like with Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm, I'm just a big Michelle Pfeiffer fan. She like, was I think so almost, good in this. Yeah. yeah like I, I think, not that we forget, but like she is like an A-list, like top of the top movies, like an I actual totally like, movie know what you're star. saying. And like, same with Michael Douglas. It's like, oh no, these are like movie stars. Like these are not yeah. actors. These are like, or I mean, they are, but like, these yeah. are like Hollywood yep. movie stars. And so I thought like, yeah, if, even if we just give them a few good pops, like they will nail it. And Michelle Pfeiffer, especially for me, I'm like, oh man, I've seen so many father son stories. You know, we've seen all these surrogate, you know, Jarrell Kalel stories. We've seen uh-huh. dad, dad with a weird past. But I thought it was like, oh wow, why don't we give Michelle Pfeiffer the kind of unforgiven role? Why don't we give her like, let give it a weird mother daughter relationship and let her have the complicated uh, Xavier Magneto relationship with the villain. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. On like a gender level, even on an age level as well. There's like, it just felt kind of fresh to put her in that more complicated uh, spot. 
two looks on her face. One, when she realizes Kryler's turning her in. So good. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. uh, two, when she touches the core the first time. Some really good acting from Michelle Pfeiffer there. She's She is great. Yeah. And, and like, it was so cool to see her and Jonathan work together. It was like oh. this moment. Oh, It man. was like, you get the yeah. vibe. Like, oh, I think game recognizes game here. It's yeah. like they are <laughs> making each other, like, like they're, they're matching each other punch for punch. I'm like, wow. Like, she is, yeah. You get to see the movie star come out. You're like, wow, that's Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, she's pretty good. <laughs> totally. Man. Talking about the the engine core, one kind of in the weeds question I had here. Um, so Scott agrees to to shrink and retrieve the engine core uh, for Kang, and in return, Kang promises to release Cassie. But then once Scott holds up his end of the deal, obviously Kang goes back on his. And <clears throat> I was curious, what's motivating Kang there to? to not give Cassie back to Scott and and then just kind of walk away without creating further conflict. Right. That's a fair question. I think in my head, Kane has already paid the price. He lost, what, 30 years by trying to trust Janet and say, hey, like, don't do mm. that. And she slams it down. I think mm. he's finally, for the first time in 30 years, got that thing in sight and he sees Scott waffling and he sees Janet right there, and he sees Hope right there, and he's probably got one second before they pull something or try. And so it's True. like, okay, this, yeah. this guy's caving. And like, he's not wasting that one opportunity he has to, like, he's got his tech back. He's not friends with Scott Lane like he was with Janet. Like, he's like, all right, mm-hmm. like, all right, screw you. <laughs> Here we go. Right. Like, uh, but that is yeah. his arrogance as a character because he doesn't value people. And it's like, Oh man, you should have done that. Like you should have given him his daughter back. Like you, because he, he was a little short-sighted and a little hasty and a little bit like, okay, I'm getting that and I'm getting out of here. Like he, he, he underestimated how angry that would make a dad, you know, and how, and Uh how, uh, you know, how rageful that's going to make Scott and, uh, Scott and Hope. Man, I, I really like something that, that I thought about when you were, talking with Kyle a second, a second ago about the role that Cassie wound up having in this. I really love, whether this was intentional or just something that sort of came about because of what happened in, in Endgame, because Scott missed, you know, five years yeah. of of her growth, I, there are these moments in the film where you can sort of see him wrestling with, tre- like, I guess, I'm, I'm sure a lot of parents would say that it's hard to not treat yeah. your children as as little kids even once they're older. Mm-hmm. But for Scott, especially so, because the last time he saw her, she was actually a little kid. And I feel like there's some, like that creates some good tension in that relationship. And in moments like that, where Scott's reaction is is almost like furthered by the fact that it's like, not only has he been separated from Cassie so many times, but this is still someone that he's viewing as like a little girl, like a, right. like a true child. And she but, literally has to grow up, you know, <laughs> by the end of the movie, like she gets big and she, you know, yeah, yeah. he, he lets her do her own thing. That, uh, no, that was a big, that was probably the major theme from day one of like, and I, there was more stuff, you know, obviously stuff gets cut in a movie or you refine it as you go sure. along. But like, there was a sadness to it because like, even before the snap, he was in, you know, the house arrest for a long time. He was in jail in Germany. He was in jail 
at uh you know f- uh, in the first movie and all that like mm-hmm. he's missed probably half of her life if not more <laughs> like he's yeah. missed a lot and and he misses it because he does the right thing there's almost that like mm. there's that spider-man curse to him to where it's like if he had just not done that thing at Vistacore, if he had not you know lo- looked out for the little guy or if he like if he didn't go to Captain America, if he didn't help him out there, off like there's all these little things where it's like he could have looked the other way, but he didn't, and he really lost a lot of time with Cassie. But on the flip side of that, it's like that's the stuff that really made him a hero to Cassie. Like that's who she wants to end. Yeah. But now, right. now that he's in like the victory lap of his career, it's like, well, he's not that guy anymore. It's like, what happened to the guy mm-hmm. that I really cared about? <laughs> so it's a weird thing. Like you, you're always. Mm-hmm. I don't have any children, but like it does feel like you're always running out of time with them and you're always squandering the time you do have. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you go home to visit your parents at all, but like my parents always give me so much gripe and like, all right, yeah, I'll go home. I, we, I live in the middle, right. we live in the middle of nowhere. And so like by the time I finally get home, you know, then my dad's just watching like football all day or just watching like Frasier. Re- oh <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> I came all the way up here to watch Frasier. <laughs> Yeah, mine is I I will get home and my mom, who has been telling me to come home forever, will immediately go to the store yes. and just be gone all <laughs> day. Yeah, now you have nothing. Yeah, they, they, they got stuff to work out. But um, yep. yeah, and there was more, you know, Katie O'Brien, who plays like Jintora, like the rebel leader. Mm-hmm. There was a little more with her and Cassie that I liked of like um, Cassie, you know, is that scene like she sees all these refugees like, oh, we got to help these people. But then Jentora, because she had, uh, yeah, there was this thing of like she knew Janet very well, and there was a whole backstory thing that got cut. But like, also, no, you're this teenage white girl coming in. Like, we're not your study abroad program, you know? Like, yeah. like, yeah, just because you say you want to help is not going to help us, and it's you know you're going to probably cause more trouble than you're worth, which she kind of does by leading like Modoc to all them. But uh, yeah, yeah, there was I, I, Catherine's a great actor, so I think there's a lot to do mm-hmm. with Cassie going forward. Well, and I was thankful that you didn't fall into the typical trope of once they got into the quantum realm and realized that, okay, stakes are serious, that they weren't like then in the middle of the fight arguing about the jail time or their family thing. We were actually thankful that you kind of just like in that fast moment, Scott had to do the, what is it? Uh, shrink tap, jump tap. Yeah. Like yeah, it just yeah. kind of like right yeah. away. Okay. We got to, we got to learn it now. It's like, we're faced with this reality. Thank you. Cause I feel like a lot of movies would have done the thing where it's like, while they're fighting, they're like, no, that's not how you do it. Or like, you never should have done this in jail. Bam. Or, right, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, and you didn't do that. I like that. No, I think, yeah, I, I did think at the end of the day, like when you actually are in a crisis, like, you know, you, you, your daughter's a good person. Like, and like, all right, you will, we'll talk about this later. Like right now, here's the fundamentals, stay alive. And she already knows how to do that stuff. It felt like, yeah, I mean, the trick of this movie and, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the internet's got a lot of opinions either way, but like, <laughs> I think that the trick and like the fun of this movie was how do you make it like this adventure comedy, but then also it has real stakes, but then also you need to be able to punctuate it and pop the balloon with jokes along the way. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not comparing this to Ghostbusters. This is by no means Ghostbusters, but the way Ghostbusters works on like a, on a formula level is like so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, these actually are real stakes. And these guys are like, you know, in trouble and oh, he loves that woman. But they're joking the whole time. There's great little moments of relief but at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, that Gozer stuff is pretty serious and you want to take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was, I think, kind of part of the joy of the movie of trying to hit that sort of like 90s movie adventure with comedy and hopefully real stakes as well when, when Kane shows up. 
you just need to know that was us though. Cause like that we, oh, we, yeah. we got to the uh, premiere. Well, we were in Cal- California and LA at the premiere, but not at the actual world premiere, but we went that early. And so, you know, when we walk out of it, we have no idea what anyone else is going to think period. So we go back and we record our initial reactions cool. episode. If you go back and listen to that, it's two hours long and it's us being like, Oh my gosh, that was the most fun I've had in a while. Yeah. Uh, like well, I, I, I said, I oh. said the word fun, probably what Rob 27 times. I mean, <laughs> like legitimately. Oh, that's, that makes, uh, let me just say, guys, I actually saw that video because I'm a weird internet freak. And like, oh, really? Yeah, oh, man. Wow. At, at, at the premiere, I was like, oh, yeah, what are these internet people saying? And, you know, a lot of thoughts on the internet and all that. But I stumbled across yours. Wow. And guys, I, let me just be open here, just honest. Like, you know, the reviews did kind of surprise me, or like it seemed like a lot of people didn't quite get what I we were going for. Or, you know, maybe that's on me as a writer, you know, plenty of, plenty of stuff to say. But, Right. When I saw your video. It truly got me out of the dumps because I'm like, oh, oh my god, these guys got it. Like, oh, I think, like, wow, these guys got what I was going for. Of like, yes, the movie should be fun, and like a superhero movie like this, it should hmm. be a little elevated. It should be a little like. I miss comedy movies that had actual like gags and. So jokes do I, Jeff. Like, That's what you don't realize. So do I. Like, yeah. I talk like the imagination side of it too. Like it's unbelievable. The, the visuals, the costumes, the, all that. And, and I think that making a movie in today's day and age, that's just fun. Like forgetting that, like going to the theater and supposed to be fun is hard to do for whatever reason in our current cultural moment. Like it's not cool for us to say that. And what's weird is like that first episode was a genuine opinion. Like we didn't have anything else to like reference it off. So we woke up just being totally honest the next day. Also so surprised. Like we were like, Oh my gosh, like, are we in the minority here? Like, do I have to rethink? Like why had so much fun watching it? I hate that. That's what I was thinking, but that's how crazy that moment was. Yeah. It's an odd, like it's an odd world we're in now. And like, I don't want to sound 90 years old, but like it is, it is a little strange, like to see so much commentary and to see so much, like everyone kind of wants to be a part of it. And like, and then the more, the the harsher your opinion is, obviously the more the views you get. And like, It, it is right. weird, this kind of like, <laughs> it's almost like sports radio or something. Like literally yes. everyone is like, a, is like a shock jock now. <laughs> like everyone is I like- I say yes. that, Robbie, all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, No, but like, I got to say, guys, I really mean it. Like, honestly, you guys are, I, and like you guys are, I like that you're not like professionally angry either, like a lot of the YouTubers <laughs> or whatever. Like, no, it seems like you guys like movies and you, and you, you dive into them and stuff. Like that's, it's cool to see that passion, but- the no, I'm not, I'm not even saying this. Like, I saw that video from you guys. I watched most of it. If not, it was a long. Oh my gosh, <laughs> but I, it's long. But like, <laughs> In I, a hotel it, room. Yeah, it really like made me feel a lot better. And yeah, not crazy because I'm like, yes, okay. I think these guys, at least like these guys, got the vibe of what I was going Man. for. Of like, wow, that's I, I wrote amazing. this movie during COVID. You know, when like, yeah, movies weren't around <laughs> like it was yeah it wasn't even a given that it, there would continue yeah, to be yeah, movies. No, it was dude. i had such pressure this is like the first movie i've written and i had this feeling of like this is a big budget like superhero movie they met they might not make these anymore like this i'm like wow this like if yeah. the world like, mm-hmm. who knows what's gonna happen you know this is like may 2020 i'm like who knows? And I'm like, you know what? Like, what kind of movie would I want to watch right now? I'm like, yes. I would love to watch one of those, like, something like Jurassic Park or like Hook 
or like Dude. Austin Powers, the way it just had goofy mm-hmm. jokes, like that kind of like just a fun movie that that also had you know moments of real acting and a real villain and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, that it meant a lot, guys. So thank you on wow. your end too. Oh no, well that means a lot to us. Yeah, you thank have no you. idea. We, think, we spend it, so much of our time talking about that. You know, like we built the entire podcast about wanting to be a positive, like shine a positive light on these things that we loved. So like we, in general, our mission statement is to not do those things you're talking about. We are not the guys that's going to like tell you all the things you missed. We're also not the guys that are going to be like, here's why this sucks and this sucks and this sucks. Yeah. It's going to be, we've got, if, enough, we, we got enough YouTubers with horrible beards to do that already. Also, <laughs> it's like, it, <laughs> Can I, I see did, your guys' reaction thumbnail face? What's your go-to like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. If you don't like it, Yellow then just, if you don't like it, yeah. then move on. You don't have to. Like, no one's making you right. get up there and talk about it. Anyways, yeah. way up, um, I have a couple in the weeds questions I want to ask. So you please. go first, Robbie, and then we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first off, I you know I, I wanted to say one of the things I love so much about what you were just describing it it, it is. I feel like that has to be such a hard balance to strike of having a movie that's so fun and does have like memorable gags that work like an Austin Powers, but unlike an Austin Powers is still rooted in characters that you take seriously. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, and, and not, I, I think the easy one is, is the portrayal of Kang, but I actually think, you know, every character has, has little, little moments like that um, of varying length where they feel very, you know, it's it's tangible, and there's a sense of, of tragedy kind of underlying a lot of this it, it, that I think is yeah. it's really unique that the combination and it it works really well. I think um, for how hard, again how hard of a balance that is. To yeah, with a movie where a guy's got holes and stuff, like there's, there's unbelievable, mother, unbelievable. There's, there's mother wound trauma to talk. Yeah, that. Um, if ever there's a director's cut or a uh, you know four hour extended version. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. Evangeline Lilly did some really good emotional acting and like that some stuff just didn't fit in the flow of the movie, but like she's mm-hmm. great. Did you, did you guys ever watch lost? Was that before your time? Oh yeah. Dude, Jeff. Like Jeff. Yeah, no, she's yeah. terrific in that. And like, yeah. I, but like that was something I really wanted to hit where I'm like, yeah, this is a movie. Like this is a quote, like family movie, which is a bad word, but like, no, it's literally a movie about a family though which a lot yeah. of superhero movies aren't outside of like, you know, Fantastic Four or like whatever Cyclops has got going on in the X-Men context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that, that's like the running joke from She-Hulk too, right? Like so many superheroes don't even have a family. So right. this is a rarity in that we're going to lean into the family side. Yeah, yeah. And so that felt like a strength where it's like, oh, and you're, if your mom was a superhero, your dad was, like there's this, there is like a bit of a trauma right. or a legacy you can play into. So uh, mm-hmm. no, that, that means a lot, guys. Like that, that it felt outside of like Fantastic Four or something, I'm like, this feels like the yeah. only movie where you can have almost like three generations of a family and have yeah. the same adventure together. Uh, yeah, it felt like a really cool opportunity. Uh, dumb question then, and maybe we can get rid of this later, but you've said this four times now. I guess as someone who doesn't know, when something does get cut, why is it getting cut? You, you've said that like three or four times that something you liked got cut. Oh yeah, I mean, movies are hard to make and like, there is, uh, there's a lot of stuff. You you overwrite almost intentionally, and you. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a version I wrote that was probably like 180 pages, like way too long. Like, oh gosh, <laughs> a three hour Ant Man movie. Yeah, but um, no, wow. I mean, and this is more on the editors and 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 Peyton obviously is the director and like you know studio stuff. Sure. But like, I think you know, uh, 
there's just stuff that maybe it feels a little tangential to the main story or you you want to keep the momentum up, especially going into the third act. Um, you know, there's plenty of that stuff in any movie and like anything you ever make, like there's always going to be a thing you miss, but then secretly it's like, nah, they're right. Like, it's, nah, yeah, they're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I played, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would not have worked, but like I played a henchman who got like blown up by MODOK and like it was, oh, man. It was in the movie for a while and then it got cut and I was like, yeah, that probably makes sense. <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> Peyton was totally right. <laughs> like it was, it was coming in, it was like after Kang steals the core, Hank's ship crashes, he takes Janet away, Hope and Scott have been like beat up and they're unconscious. <laughs> there was a scene of me. <laughs> <laughs> like Cassie and Modoc and Mo- and you know Cassie's being taken down the hallway by guards, and he's like, you know, oh, it's, where's my dad? Well, I guess he's gone for good. He's like, take her away. <laughs> and then the, 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 the joke is like the guards clearly don't respect Modoc, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah. we are, we are taking her. That's what we were doing. He's like, take her back. To we don't work for you, man. And then, like, he blows me up with, like, a big head laser. But, like, it was funny, but... I actually kind of love that. That's... <laughs> that with with the online critiques of the MODOK arc, I see what they're saying, but, like, there were a couple of pops along the way to where, like, mm. no one respects this guy. He's such a dick. <laughs> like, and, like, just yeah. giving him this, like, the simplest by intention character arc of, like... Darren Cross is just a huge dick the whole movie. <laughs> and then suddenly he just like gets this like come to Jesus moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was going to close on Modoc. Sorry, Robbie. I have to jump in. Now we have oh, to please. just transition this. Okay. okay I wrote for, my, yeah, I've, I've got two more we can circle okay, back to. I, I wrote my, my three favorite Modoc lines down. I want you to just briefly, briefly tell me if there's a funny insight behind the line. Sure. Did you come up with those improv? Anything you got. Okay. The first line that's unbelievable is I became the ultimate weapon. And Scott goes that. That, that's what this is? <laughs> yeah. Anything there? I love that, that so much. That's probably like one of the first scene I wrote for him. And that was like, that's like the core of the character. It's yeah. like this insecurity. <laughs> and like, like, dude, like I'm like, yeah, you got a bad, you got bad luck. Like there was, yeah, there was more because like, if you think about it, it's like, wow, this guy has missed a lot. He's been yeah, off the yeah. board since Ant-Man one. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He, there was this run of like, um, I don't know if you guys are Simpsons fans, but there was yeah. um, mm-hmm. a episode Homer's enemy where it's like that Frank Grimes guy who comes like a normal guy uh-huh. to work at the plant and is like driven insane by Homer and, and <laughs> ends up killing himself. But like, <laughs> there's this scene where he just sees how much like literally Homer has done in his life. He's like, "Wait, you've been to space? Like, yeah. <laughs> you've been to a Grammy? Like, what? Is, like, like, why does this oaf have such a perfect life? And I live between two bowling alleys. You know, there's like yeah. very. I want mm-hmm. to give that energy to Modok to where like, wait, hold on, you're an Avenger? Like, since when? <laughs> and like, yeah, he's time travel with Captain America twice. He knows Captain America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hank respects me. Oh, yeah, Hope and I are dating. Uh, yeah, yeah, what are you up to? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has quite literally like everything Darren Cross could have dreamed of. And then Darren is just this huge head <laughs> and trying to like make himself big. So like that, I'm the ultimate weapon. It just came from, I don't know, like I feel in X-Men movies, they're always saying like we made the ultimate weapon. <laughs> and yeah. Right. They, they yeah. gave Wolverine good bones or something. But I just like the right. ultimate weapon. <laughs> well, yeah. I just got to say this now. I think you answered this, but yes, the look at me. I'm such a dick. Really yeah. got me in the theater. And then the last one that 
I think Robbie and I's favorite line, maybe the hardest we laughed in the movie was that Avenger part when he goes, you were always like a brother to me. And yes. they're all kind of like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? And then he goes, well, at least I can die an Avenger. And then yeah, this is not that. the line. Hold on. Then obviously it's hilarious when he's like, yeah, you're one, you're on the team, you're on the team, but this is the best line. He dies. And Scott goes, Wow, a lot has happened today. That's <laughs> the best line of the movie. Hey, yeah, yeah. That, and Rudd, I mean, I mean, about Rudd. Yeah, oh, man, yeah. His delivery, like that guy is a comedy, like, I was going to say savant, but he's old. But like, he's he's re- he's really good. That guy's got like good oh. instincts. Uh, no, that was, again, one of the first things because I thought like, let's really, I love like Zoidberg from Futurama. Have you ever seen that? Like uh-huh. he always uh-huh. rides the line of being pathetic and like you pity him and he's so Yeah, pathetic. what a great and, reference. And then he does something horrible or selfish or like, oh, Zoidberg, <laughs> like, oh. Like, and so I wanted Darren Cross to ride that line of like being so needy and so pathetic and so deluded too. And like mm-hmm. to give him almost like a – like Sean Bean in that first Lord of the Rings movie, like to give he thinks in his head, like yes, like I this is a this is a worthy death. Goodbye, my friend. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, like thank you, but you yeah, you didn't do much. Like yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> <And> <laughs> clearly, this guy's alone, and clearly, this guy like really needs this. And so you see yeah, Scott yeah. and Hope, you're like, yeah, you're in. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're. Uh, <laughs> Talking uh, br- briefly, um, just a, yeah, a couple quick questions. I when when No Way Home came out, um, you know there was at, at some point it was revealed the some of the final lines in the script that that went along with that final Spider-Man scene where he's swinging and mm. and the, I don't know if you saw this, but it was kind of it was interesting for a lot of people to see what the screenwriters had had written and then how it actually came out on screen and kind of what. Oh, Peter was supposed to be feeling yeah, in yeah. that moment. Peter Parker's um, one, Spider-Man is forever, or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and I was wondering, you know, if you can recall, slash, if you can divulge this information, what uh, what did the script say regarding the conclusion of Kang and Scott's final battle? Or, you know, in, in other words, what are we supposed to, again, without trying to get anything yeah. that we're mm-hmm. not supposed to know yet, what were we supposed to understand is happening there whenever Kang kind of disappears into the the engine core? Well, and I'm right, also right. I'm also curious about the, there's two lines you included, and again, you might you might not be able to answer this, okay, because of the Kang mm-hmm. Dynasty stuff. But you included the two lines too, where Scott is terrified that if if Kang gets out, is he afraid that everyone else in the multiverse is going to die besides the six one six universe <laughs> if he gets out? And that's like he who remains kind of wrangling the timelines. But if right, he stays right. in, then the alternate versions of Kang are going to start the multiversal war. And maybe you can't answer that, but sorry, those are my Kang No, questions. I mean, I think that, I, yeah, without spoiling too much, I think that's the devil's wager or like the devil's bargain. It's like that with that I thought would be a fun thing. And you didn't have a ton of time to explore it in the movie, but like you're down there trapped in hell. And suddenly, like, the darkest supervillain in the world comes up, and he's like, if you want to win, like, I'm the only guy that can beat you. Like, Kane Kane is like a queen on a chessboard. Like, you can't beat a queen unless, like, unless you're really good. It's like, I am the only guy who can even fight these guys. Like, if you want any shot, you know, I don't care if you like me or not. (laughs) Like, I'm the only guy who can beat these guys, you know, if you want me on your side. Mm. And now that guy's gone. So it's like, oh, uh-oh, <laughs> like we we might be in some trouble here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I can mm-hmm. say as far as um, 
Yeah. It was, I mean, on an emotional level, it was Scott's arc coming through to where it's like, he used to be that guy, and now he's a little bit in that Rocky Three mode of his life. He's resting a little bit. He's coasting a little bit. His daughter mm-hmm. is a little affected by that. He's no longer kind of that completely selfless hero. He wants to kind of, mm-hmm. he deserves to have a normal life after all mm-hmm. he's done. He deserves mm-hmm. to be comfortable, and he, he deserves to kind of stop being the guy that has to fall on that grenade all the time. And then at the very end of that movie, he makes the choice of like, no, like even if it shuts me off from Cassie again, even if it, if it, um, if it blocks the way and all that, this is what a hero does. And he, you know, slams that down. He does the same, he does the same thing Janet did years ago to kind of, you know, keep Kane out and sacrifice, you know, himself. Uh, so yeah, he, he does the, he does the selfless thing, uh, to kind of, which is always Kane's weakness because he doesn't quite understand like uh, he doesn't understand selfless sacrifice maybe because he doesn't mm-hmm. really have mm-hmm. anyone in his life or he doesn't have anyone that he would uh, do that for that's, you know, currently alive or, you know, I don't know that's more for later, I suppose. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like it, 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 I, I can't say too much about what happened to Kane the Conqueror there, but like he was hurled into the multiversal engine core We've seen what happens to someone. Oh wait, no, <laughs> sorry. Okay, tangent. There was more Bill Murray. Yeah. There was a scene where. He <laughs> oh. That <laughs> uh, is for the extended cut. There was a scene. We see what happens to someone who falls into that storm without pin particles. Like before you, sh- you know, before oh, you oh. shrink down through the eye of the storm. It's like what happens mm-hmm. to a person who's thrown into like a multiverse blender, you know, <laughs> and they uh-huh. just get like, so. There's an argument to where like, oh, that guy's dead. He's been split a billion ways and he's gone. Or did that cause more problems? Did that, Or is he much like Scott at the bottom of that thing, you know, and there's multiplicity bursting out of him? Like, it's, I left it intentionally yeah. a little vague. I don't know if I have an answer yet or that I can divulge. But um, Sure, sure. But yeah, he's off the board. For yeah. Me. He's off the board. And now the problem is like, oh, he's not a liar. Like what's going what's gonna to happen now? When you were writing him, yeah. were you – purposely picturing like the prototype version of Kang the Conqueror. Like I know there's all these variants, but is that what you were picturing in your head? In the beginning, and this is, I, I credit Peyton and, and certainly when Jonathan came on board, I think the first draft I had was a little bit more of like a loser Kane. It was like, it was like an off variant that got stuck down here and he, it was more, mm-hmm. it was a more comedic version of the character. And, uh, hmm. but then once He Who Remains came out, once Loki came out, I'm like, oh yeah, that's basically the same thing or, you know, it's too close. So then the challenge became like, wait, no, like, yeah, let's do Kane the Conqueror. Like, let's do, like you said, yes, that to answer your question, like, I'm like, hmm. oh, that's interesting. What if it actually is like the Kane? And it's like, Oh, it's General Zod. Mm. It's General Zod. It's like, oh, he's been trapped in the Phantom Zone. You know, oh, it's it's Napoleon. It's like, oh, it's like you're meeting like a dictator, like a dangerous man in a bit of a low point. And like, oh, mm. and, and have that sort of sense of dread of like, oh, this is not, you know, you're not fi- you're not fighting Walton Goggins from the second movie. <laughs> right. It's like you are out of your league here and like make it this like conqueror of men and make and make him feel that was like I, I loved writing. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's hack or cliche, but like I'll use the term classical, I guess. But like I love hmm. I love a classical supervillain. I love a tortured kind of literary uh, 
Did you ever read like Wuthering Heights or like Heath? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Man, your references are yeah, yeah. batting a thousand today. Yeah. But like, I love that sort of like 1800s, like uh, just tortured man who's like lost his wife in ch- when she was in childbirth and like has never been the same and like mm-hmm. always, always windswept and stuff. Like Chris Claremont's Magneto from like the 70s and 80s X-Men comics does that really well. Mm-hmm. But like mm. to give him a little bit of that like, I guess pageantry maybe is the word, but like yeah, oh with yeah. a guy, if it is actual legitimately Kane the Conqueror, the real one, you can kind of give him that weight. And then a guy like Jonathan Majors, who is this classically trained Shakespearean yep. actor from Yale drama, like he just embodies it. And like, I've said this in other interviews, but like, mm-hmm. I was really nervous as like a comedy writer. I'm like, oh man, is this gonna, is this gonna work? Like what, you know, is, oh, you never know. And that first rehearsal, is the scene where he walks up and says the, like, you're an Avenger, have I killed you before line. And he, Mm -hmm. like, sold it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, I think this is going to work. It's like, you believe this guy. Like, he can say a line that doesn't really make sense, but with clarity. And you're like, oh, oh, that tells you everything about this character you need to know. (laughs) Like, Jonathan. What a genius casting. It it winds up being such a, a perfect pairing, and I'm so grateful that we wound up with a version of King that does take himself so seriously because it is such an insulting thing to a person like that to be fighting a hero like Ant-Man. Like, and I love that that some of that's made explicit. And some of that is even like in the way that like in that final, maybe my favorite scene in the, in the movie is the just fist fight between Scott and King at the end. And there's this moment where, where, Scott, I think, goes in for a punch, or, or maybe it's one of the ones that he lands. And Jonathan, he has this look where yeah. he kind of like he looks up in this sort of like it's almost an eye roll, but it's like he's like having to tell himself to be patient with just how ridiculous it is that he even uh, has to yeah. deal with someone like or, that. or the exactly. line of "You talk to ants," like <laughs> yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> That, oh, I'm so glad that I know exactly the look you're talking about. Like, Scott gets a lucky shot in, and he just does, like, all right. <laughs> like, yes. Um, that, to me, was, and Jonathan, this is so much a testament to his acting and, like, what he, his character work. That was a big thing, and COVID was a part of it, too. It's like, man, you feel trapped. And if you are, like, this time god who can go literally anywhere, do anything, and suddenly you get that stripped away by the first person you befriended in like hundreds of years, like you were betrayed, but because you, because someone found out who you were, like, like that's the dark, mm-hmm. that, that's a deep wound of like, oh, they found out who I was and they yeah. rejected me. And then they took away my gifts, basically. I thought to give, again, much like Napoleon or, you know, uh, even like Nelson Mandela in a way, not, not, he's not a super villain. I don't want the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the clip. Twitter right, people. We, we got, yeah, we got, that's the headline. We got the clip. Thank you. <laughs> Jeff compares, yeah. Kane the Conqueror and Nelson Mandela. <laughs> like, that feeling of being imprisoned and, but still having kind of this crusade in your heart and knowing like, mm. this is, I can't, you know, whatever his story will be in Kane dynasty and all that. It's like, this is, this is a man who believes in what he has to do. And there's mm. a, when she says, like, who is Kane, he says, uh, who I need to be. And there, there's this feeling of, like, mm-hmm. destiny to this guy. Or, like, if you read that Jackson Lanzig series, there's those time loops that he's in that they did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, yeah. what else? Uh, yeah, but no, yeah, but just, like, the um, 
the weariness and the you can tell Kang's keeping like a lid on the whole movie. And so by the time yeah. he really went by the time he finally like he sees like those, you know, those rebels coming up the causeway, he's like, All right, all right, the Ewoks are attacking. Like, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. Shrek two buddies are attacking. I'm gonna go <laughs> deal with the gingerbread man down here. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm gonna get you out on these last two things real quick. First of all, one of our listeners photoshops me into all different things and he knows Incredible. I'm such a fan of this movie. You need to see this, okay? So direct your attention to the screen for a second here. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how good is this Photoshop job of me as Modoc? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing, uh, was there a moment when you when you finally got to go sit sit down in a theater with fans that really resonate with you? Like, oh, that was fun to hear them laugh at that joke or that was fun to resonate with that part. The, the, the Modoc death especially was such a, uh, it's, it's a dark joke. I guess I'll stick up for it a little bit. Like I, that's a sure. dark joke. It's like the guy is putting his heart out and they're lying to him and he dies a loser. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I think that has like some dark humor to it and it was hard to get it all the way through. Uh, and I'm so happy that like we, and even if it divides people clearly, you know, there's, you know, some things didn't land well with people or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. I, I, in my heart, I'm like, that is maybe my favorite thing I've ever written in my life. And I'm glad, I'm I love so it, happy I got to do that, like, Sean Bean, Boromir death for a guy who doesn't deserve it. Right. But that, to me, like, to, to hear the rhythms of the laughs in the theater, like, I love that joke or that scene because, yeah, it, like, has the funny thing. Paul Rudd's reaction, and then he doubles down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there was a draft where he triples down, but it was probably too much. <laughs> If um, if it makes you if it makes you feel better if that's one that you were nervous about I've wound up seeing it a few times now uh, and that is one that every theater I've been in people responded to every punchline and that oh, scene that's, like that one that's cool certainly oh. seems to have worked for, oh, thank for the you. vast majority of that, folks that's really nice I I and then you know I. I used to always think this was a cop-out or a trite thing. You'd hear interviewers or, or, or directors talk about, like, their family or, like, how nice it was to make it with the people. But, man, it turns out those anecdotes are true. <laughs> like, hmm. I think back on, like, making – actually making it and, like, hanging out with Catherine Newton or getting to know Jonathan or hearing Rudd, like – getting Rudd, like, he's going to make your joke three times better with his instincts. They're, hmm. Wow, like, seeing Peyton direct, like, the actual, like – meat and potatoes of making the movie was like just a thrill and a joy. And then Hmm. I used to make little movies. I mean, I'm from middle of nowhere, like 200 people maybe in my town. My brother and I Mm -hmm. grew up making little movies together all the time with our neighbors and like, you know, all the kids in our town. And like, you know, there's family issues. There's, you know, there's stuff. There's a little Janet Van Dyne situation (laughs) going on with everyone. But like, I, I was able to kind of invite my brother out to the premiere and uh, wow. and I got to like watch it with my family. Hmm. Like my mom and dad used to help us out with those too. You know, they'd drive us around or have little props or play like a yeah. – they'd play a James Bond villain, you know. So like I – and they had not been out there in a while and they hadn't really seen a lot of my work in that way or they hadn't, you know, engaged with it that much. Hmm. And so to actually sit down and like watch a big fun adventure movie – that we would have probably watched if I was a teenager, you know, like mm-hmm. I called it like an after church movie. <laughs> like my, fa- <laughs> I, I'm not so much, my, my family is quite religious uh-huh. and, and like, I, you know, not, not so much on my end, but 
there was that feeling of like, all right, it's Sunday, church is over, let's go have some lunch, and you know, let's go see a movie. Uh, you almost don't care what movie it is, you know, like you you roll in, right. and it's like, a, it's like a fun action adventure comedy. You're, you go watch Hitch, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll go. Uh-huh. Watch it. <laughs> like to have that feeling of watching that movie and seeing my brother, it's like, oh yeah, I, I wrote like a goofy fun adventure action movie. It's like, that's exactly the type of movie. Like I think my brother would like, and and to see him like engage with it in that way was a huge, like that was like a, a surreal experience. And so like all the Mm -hmm. other stuff, clearly it's like, Oh yeah, some surprises along the way, but (laughs) to have that actual moment with my family, Mm -hmm. I now understand what like all those actors and directors talk about when they're like, Oh yeah, it's about the process. (laughs) We went to the Thor Mm -hmm. love and thunder world premiere. And that was one of the things that stuck out to us the most was that when you're in that theater, it's so much, you know, family, friends, crew. And like, it was so cool. The energy is palpable because it's these people's life work for years. Yeah. It's like all the, I mean, every, every little thing about these movies adds up. It's so cool to see like, yeah, the makeup people, the costume designers, the, the production designers, the visual, obviously the, the amazing visual artists, like, these things are huge un- enterprises. And like, I got to meet this hmm. old, old British guy who worked on Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> like, oh, wow. He, he was more of like an honorary guy who was coming through. He wasn't like working all day on the set. <laughs> but like, sure. sure. But like, <laughs> is what? Still. 90s, 80s. So I was talking to right. with like Kubrick. Like, I, so I talked to him about like Jeez. Kubrick movies and, and David Lean and like, just. Oh, like, man. That is a cool feeling of like you're working with a lot of people who also like want to be there or yeah, or oh, maybe yeah. not. But like but also like <laughs> it feels like, oh, yeah, we're all from somewhere else and we're all kind of coming together to make something fun. There's like yeah. a real – there's an electricity to making a movie and I, I hope I get to do more of that because it's, it's really cool. Well, Jeff, thanks for being so generous with your time. We're massive fans. This has been an honor for us to have you on. And we went way longer than we said. So we no, 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 guys. And I mean it. Like, I, I honestly, you guys have good, like, broadcast voices, too. Keep keep doing this. You guys are pretty good. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Uh, wow. Thank but you. also, I'm not kidding you. Like, it really turned me around and really cheered me up when I saw, like. That makes me so happy. Because, like, I. I, yeah, I thought I was crazy too. I'm like, oh man, have I lost it? Did I just like, complete, did I hit the wrong moment? And you know, I, there's plenty of stuff to get into and things I can always improve on mm-hmm. as a writer. But when I saw you guys talking about it, it made me feel so good because I'm like, yes, like they got the rhythms, they got the vibe I was going for, like they mm-hmm. got the jokes and the style. So like, it really meant, to, it was one of the like, actually like best moments I've had as like a writer to see that kind of, Wow. Uh, let's call it communion with an audience. So like, yeah. wow. that was really cool. So thank you guys. Wow. We can't top that. I think you guys have a good, like a uh, critical eye and a good, like, um, energy with how you talk about films. So yeah, keep doing it. It's cool. Wow. Wow. Man. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, thank Who you so thought? much. But yes, more of these, <laughs> well, more, send- more, you didn't need to work. Yes, your, yeah. You need to work on your thumbnail game. Yeah. 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 We need more like little circles with really zoomed in images you on them really, right next to our face. Really bad goatees that show you ready, you're ready to go alt right at any moment. <laughs> you're ready. Like, you're, just, yeah. you're just a breakup away from going alt right YouTube. <laughs> just one stray Facebook link. Yeah. I need you guys to be Andrew Tate bros. <laughs> <laughs> th- 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 thanks for saying that. Uh, just send us the invoice and we'll... Uh, we'll get yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>